Welcome to Cornerstone, a podcast by Rebuild Fellowship. On this episode, Pastor Chuck finishes up the message we started on the last episode, which is titled, No, But the Lord Loves Us. Pastor Chuck is preaching this message out of Psalm 4 to let us know how much the Lord truly loves us. So if you have your Bibles, please turn them to Psalm 4 right now, and we're going to pick up Pastor Chuck as he starts in verse 3. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder it in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Here's what I want to show you out of this. The second thing I want to show you is God helps our hearts. He hears our prayers and he helps our hearts. We can become extremely frustrated, and many of you have. We can become extremely angry, disappointed. We can feel like, even in some places, as I look out these windows here in, in, our, in our sanctuary, as I look out these windows, we can look around and it seems like the wicked are prospering and not your chosen people, your special possession, Lord. It seems like their marriage is doing better. Why is my marriage struggling? It seems like their children are obedient. Why are my children not obedient? It seems like they're getting all the rest in their homes and we're not getting any rest in our homes. It seems like every time I try to do right, it seems like they're getting a promotion or they're getting another job opportunity. And here I am, I'm stuck in this job and I'm not getting no promotion and I'm constantly getting overlooked. It seems like all of these things are continuing to happen, Lord. Why not me. We could become very angry, dare I even say bitter, and it would cause us to sin, to step away or to transgress against what we know God's commandments, his statutes, his laws are for us. We can now begin to operate in a controlling manner and say, God, you know what? I need you to get in the back seat. Let me now drive. What King David is trying to point us to is, listen, 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 I want you, I want you to do a self-examination. He would go on to tell us in Psalm 139, God, you know me. Search me. See if there's any grievous way in me. And if it is, Lord, I need you, I need you to remove it and lead me in the way of everlasting. Paraphrasing those last two verses, I believe it's 24 and 25 of Psalm 139, but he says, listen, God, I know, I know this heart, this heart is wickedly, wickedly uh, is wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? So I need to take this moment as I'm praying to God, as I'm getting into the light of his love, if I'm getting into his light and I'm saying there's some darkness in my heart, Lord, I need you to shine your light. I need you to give me the ability to look into my heart and I need you to bring these things to the surface and I need to give them over to you, Lord God. I need you to give me grace to release these things because I don't need to be in control. And Every time I'm in control, God, I'm saying I know what's best for me. You don't. What I'm saying is, God, I'm more intelligent than you. I'm more wise than you. I'm more knowledgeable than you. Because, God, obviously you don't know my pain. But I can only imagine how painful it was for God the Father to have to turn his back on his son. Because he can't look at sin. No sin can take glory in his sight. So when Jesus, 
the substitutionary atoning sacrifice for us. When he carried the sins of the world on the cross, the father had to turn his back because he couldn't look at sin the way that Jesus was able to look at sin for us. Jesus was able to enter into our sin and he would wrap himself. If you don't believe this, go to Colossians chapter 3 and explain it beautifully for us. He was able to be fully God and fully man and wrap himself in this sinful flesh to live a perfect and obedient life and carry this, the sin of the world to Calvary's cross and defeat it for us on our behalf so we can stand in him and now we can say, you have given me relief when I was in distress because many times, Jesus, I never knew I was in distress. But as the Bible said, you sent a word to heal me and to deliver me from destruction. God, even when I didn't know I was in distress, you are so wise. You're the, you're the omniscient God. You're the omnowing God. You're the omnipresent God. You're, you are everywhere at all times, and you're the omnipotent God. You are the all-powerful God. All power, all authority belongs to you and you alone. And God, when I'm in these situations, you call on me to sit at your feet to receive the right nourishment, the comfort, the healing, whatever I need in that moment, God, you sit me there and you let me know it's going to be okay, son. It's going to be all right, daughter. It's going to be all right, mom. It's going to be all right, dad. It's going to be all right, small business owner, entrepreneur. It's going to be all right, supervisor, manager, employee, whatever role that you hold at your job. It's going to be okay because I've already declared it in, in my gospel, my gospel of John. In this life, you will have trials and tribulations, but you will not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Do not fear because you, Jesus, have overcome the world for us. We thank you for that. So he says, listen, offer right sacrifices. Put your trust in the Lord. What are right sacrifices? The Bible says it's a broken and a contrite spirit he does not despise. Your brokenness. He wants you to confess your brokenness. These places in your heart, God, I'm angry. God, I don't understand. God, I'm lost. I'm scared, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious, Lord. I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling worthless, Lord. I don't know. Bring that brokenness to him. He says a broken and a contrite spirit he does not despise. Come, come unto me, all who are heavy laden and burdened, and I'll give you a soul's rest. What are right sacrifices? Here's the way I sum it up. Right sacrifices are this. Here's the way I sum it up. This is how I process this information, this revelation the Lord gave me. When I have read and studied this for myself, as it has ministered to me, here's what I have said. Here's what, what I feel are right sacrifices, right? It is one, humility and honesty. To humble myself under the mighty hand of God and be honest to him about what's going on in me. To be honest, to be humble, it's right sacrifice. To tell the Lord where I am, what I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, to be honest with him. That's the beautiful thing about the Psalms. As you read through the Psalms, the Psalms speaks to every human emotion that has ever existed or ever will exist. 
That's why Jesus would go on to say in Luke 24, the, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, they all testify of me. So that why, that's where now in Hebrews 4 it comes into play. Now we can enter into the Lord's rest because he is our high priest who is, who is, who is not able, who is, or I should say, who is well able to empathize or sympathize with us in our weaknesses because he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. So now I can with full confidence and with boldness, I can come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find the grace to help me in my time of need. So I offer right sacrifice. I be humble to God. I don't get prideful and think that I know what's best. I humble myself. Just like Jesus did when he became, as Philippians 2 came, he said he became obedient even to the point of death, death on the cross. He didn't consider uh, uh, equality with God a thing to be grasped. He knew his identity. He knew he was part of the Holy Trinity. He knew he, knew he was God himself, God who dwelt in the flesh. He knew all this, but he didn't consider a thing to be God, uh, thing, equality with God a thing to be grasped. He wasn't chasing after that. He was chasing after you and me and the whole entire world. He chased after us. Are you willing to take just one step for the thousands of steps, the millions of steps that he took when he came from heaven's throne down into the earth and then up to Calvary's hill, to, to up that hill of God Gotha when he carried that cross on his back. Can you take one step for him for the thousands or millions or however many steps the Lord took for you? And he says in James, if, if we draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to us. So family, what have you been offering to God in this season? And, all, and, what, and, and whatever you've been offering to God, has it been a true indicator of you trusting him? Does your offering say, I'm trusting God? Is your offering that you've been giving to the Lord, is it an indicator that you're trusting God? Whether that's your time, whether that's your talent, or your treasures, whatever you're offering up to God, is it truly saying that you're trusting him? When you give your offering, when you pay your tithes off, are you saying, God, I'm really trusting you to be my provider? With your time and you spending time with him, God, are you really saying, God, I'm trusting you with my soul, with the soul care? Am I trusting you with the care of my soul, with your talents? Are you saying, God, I'm trusting you to use me as an instrument in your redeeming hands here in the earth? God, is, is my offering really communicating to you that I trust you? Ponder in your hearts. Here's the last thing I want to give out of that. God gives rest to our heads. God hears our prayers, right? God helps our hearts. God hears our prayers. God helps our hearts. God gives rest to our heads. Seems like in this season, mentally, we're tossed to and fro. And rightfully so. We're tossed to and fro. A lot of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, the Apostle Peter wrote, is because false doctrine was trying to set in. False doctrine will try to communicate to you that everything is better than Jesus. Or most importantly, watch this, that you need to earn your salvation. You need to earn God's favor. You need to 
earn God's love. You need to earn God's approval, but God has already provided that to you through his selfless act of love for us on the cross. So that's why he would tell us in Ephesians, not by works that we can boast. We're trying to work and earn favor and earn approval and earn love and earn provision and earn protection and earn these type of things. And God in Christ Jesus, according to Ephesians chapter one, we have every spiritual blessing already given to us. That's Ephesians chapter one. We have every spiritual blessing given to us by Christ Jesus. You have the spiritual blessing of peace. You have the spiritual blessing of joy. You have the spiritual blessing of self-control. You have the spiritual blessing of meekness. You have the spiritual blessing of temperance. You have the spiritual blessing of life and life more abundantly. And the list goes on and 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 on because Christ never runs out of anything. So he says, he says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. God, you put more joy in my heart than all of the wealthiest people in the entire world. If they were to collectively give me all of their wealth and give it to me, God, you have still put more joy in my heart. Bet you never thought about his joy in that way, have you? Well, David could look back over his life and he could look back over moments where he was in despair, when he felt like everything was going to work out not for his good. But then all of a sudden, as the old mothers would change, he may not come when you want to, but he will be there right on time. Then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And his method, his mode of deliverance, the way he saves you, the way he sanctifies you, the way he secures you, the way he shows up and fights for you, you realize, wow, I never knew I could be loved like that. I never thought that he would move in such a way. I never thought that he even heard my cry. So David would say, listen, now that I'm reflecting on the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, I can now testify and declare according to verse 7, you, Jesus, have put more joy in my heart than they that have wine and grain. So because of that, I'm going to go to sleep in peace. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. I'm not just lying down trying to get peace. As I'm lying down, peace is making me lie down. He says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. In other words, when I'm lying down, I don't have any worries. God is in control. God is the great protector. God is the great healer. God is the great bodyguard. He's, as Psalm 127 says, he's the watchman over the city. He's the builder of the house. So when I lay down, I'm laying down in peace because I know God has everything in control. He's the supreme authority. Matthew chapter 11, verse uh, uh, 28. Come unto me, all who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give your souls rest. This particular text was from a preacher one night. He was preaching at his church. And this pastor was a warm-hearted man. He was very true. He was very real. He was very accessible. And as he drew near the close of his address, his heart was so full of Christ. 
He was so overwhelmed by what the text was communicating that we could come unto him, all who are heavy laden and burdened, and he would give us our soul rest. He was so overwhelmed that he could not completely come to a close. He was fumbling over his words, and he's at a moment, and he was breaking down, and the, and the peace of God was overwhelming him, was overcoming him, and, that, and that, that knowledge, that understanding was becoming so real to him and was becoming so weighty to him, what we would consider as the glory the glory of the Lord was descending upon him more and more and more. And he could not fully express what he was feeling, even though he wanted to say what he was feeling. He was trying to express what he was feeling, but he just could not get it together. All he could say was, come unto me. What does it mean? Come unto me. What does it mean? Come unto me. What does it mean? That's all he could say. And again and again, he repeated it. What does it mean? What does it mean? As, he, as he's receiving that revelation knowledge, it's still mind-blowing. It's still blowing his mind. And he's saying out audibly, he's saying out before the congregation, what does it mean? Come unto me. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, in this very holy moment, a little girl sitting on the front seat, she timidly rises up, just like a little child. She goes over to the preacher. She extends her hand. She comes up beside him and she grabs the preacher's hand. She says, she taps him, gets his attention. Pastor, and well, said the kind preacher, what does it mean, dear child? She said, please, sir, it means that he wants me. Her touching reply, as she touched his, grabbed his hand, and as she spoke to him, she simply said, please, sir, it means that he wants me. So the preacher sat down, the pastor sat down, both he and the people felt there was nothing else that needed to be said. Hearts became tender, eyes became filled with tears, and afterwards one and another said, one and another said, and all the congregation joined in to be able to say this. All of them connected to this truth right here. The wisest and most noble among us could not have given a truer, truer and sweeter exposition of the text. Come unto me means that he wants me. Come unto me means that he wants you, woman. He wants you, man. He wants you, child. Come unto me means he wants you in peace. I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. In Christ, you are safe because he wants you. And that's where we'll stop and pause for today. Thank you for taking your time with us today. If you would like to learn more about our church or have us pray for you in any way, you can find us at www.rebuildchurch.com. That is www.rebuildchurch.com. Our church meets in Durham, North Carolina, and if you're looking for a church to attend, we'd love to have you join us. We meet weekly at 10 a.m. on Sunday, and you can find more details about what to expect and where we are on our website. You can also find our full services on our YouTube channel. Please join us on our next episode as Pastor Chuck begins another short message, which can be found from the book of Isaiah.